0: Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as a foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation.
1: Hey, welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio. I am your host, Pastor Steve, with Redemption Hill Church here in Saratoga Springs, Utah. And we are so blessed that you are joining us today uh, for the broadcast. And just a a quick reminder, if you want to listen to any past broadcasts of Shouts of Grace, feel free to go on to ShoutsOfGraceRadio.com. That's ShoutsOfGraceRadio.com. And there you can catch up with all the past episodes. You can drop us a note, any suggestions, comments. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. If you are a first-time listener to Shouts of Grace, we want to welcome you to the program and let you know that here at Shouts of Grace, what we do is we take Uh, biblical ideas or concepts uh, and we kind of run them through filter them through a biblical worldview and we talk about scripture and different things that are pertinent to our society today and if you are a return listener hey we want to welcome you back and thank you for your support as well as a shout out to key radio for use of the studio Uh, today i am in studio with a good friend of mine um, pastor greg johnson with uh, standing together how are you greg
2: Doing well, Steve?
1: Good. Man, we so, so we've been friends for a while. I was thinking back before you came in. I was thinking um I, I remember specifically a night um, when your oldest daughter was spending the night at our house and, and the girls, I think there was about four of them. They, they came to me about two in the morning. My daughter woke me up and said, we want to walk to the Chevron station. <laughs> and the first thing I thought of was, I don't know if the parents are going to be okay with this. And so I, I think I went back to sleep and I think they went anyway. And I think they were probably about 14 or 15 years old. <laughs>
2: oh, wow. Was that out in Eagle mountain?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you... it
2: was safe. Yeah, safe yeah it, it, it is. It they is. seem to have survived.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. But anyway, um, I just, I just kind of have a connection with you over the years, and so I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, so what I want to do today is, Greg, you have dedicated a big portion of your, probably the greatest portion of of your ministerial uh, career, um, in as far as pastoring goes, to to this idea of unity within the body of Christ, and it's really multifaceted. So what I want to do today is, I kind of want to just touch on that a little bit, and so maybe what we can do is, I want to start off. I just want to read one scripture, and then I want to kind of turn this over to you with, with a. A couple questions and maybe you can kinda kinda um kinda give your input. In Psalm one thirty three, verse one, it says How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It is if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life uh, forevermore. And, And Greg, you see this in Scripture. There's something about unity that it just captures the heart of God right there are six things that God hates seventh is an abomination he that causes discord or division among the brethren so this is close to God's heart and so what I want to do is is ask you a couple questions number 1 um you know when is unity something that's honorable to God and and, and what are the what are the components of that and then when does it become dishonorable to God and so what say ye Mr Greg
2: <laughs> well uh, in the king james if we're going to sp- Big King James here. No, <laughs> uh, you know, you just uh, quoted one of three uh, oft quoted passages of Scripture, Psalm one thirty three, on uh, the blessing that we receive and that the Lord commands or mm. bestows upon those who walk in a unity of purpose. Uh, also, First uh, Corinthians twelve, where Paul uh, speaks quite a bit about the different members of the body, but but it is one body, and probably more, uh, more important than, than any, although all of scripture's inspired. I just think because Jesus prays for unity on the last night of his earthly life, before he enters into a time of, of, uh, preparation for the cross and, mm. and all that is about to take place in his life, what does he do? He goes to the Mount of Olives and he prays. And what does he pray for in the high priestly prayer of John 17? They he prays that we would be one that mm. the father, uh, You know, even as he and the Father are one, and that the world might know that the Father truly sent the Son because of our unity. So there is no doubt, as you just said, that unity of God's people is at the heart of God. Mm. If there is a mandate that comes to us from Scripture, if Jesus praying for our oneness does not underscore the importance of it, now that cannot simply mean the oneness of a local congregation, although that would be critical. I mean, a divided church is a broken and unhealthy church. But when it comes to the body of Christ, universal, locally, uh, regionally, uh, state or nationally or internationally, we know the very concept of of Christians gathered, working together, praying together, serving together, contributing together is a force for amazing influence, Holy Spirit-filled influence across the world. When we support a ministry that cares for the least of these like a world vision or a compassion international hmm. when we get behind a disaster relief like samaritans purse or various other you know uh, salvation army kinds of ministries when we put our resources together we are a force for good like the world you know hmm. rarely sees hmm. so that's the value of unity but then there's a unity of theology too because there there is a tension in the body of christ where some of our differences Get more focused on than our similarities. Mm. Now, Paul mentions this in First uh, Romans 14. He says that there are disputable matters. There are things that we will disagree on, and we should not run away from each other and say, you're not a Christian or you're not a Christian. When we have unity in the essentials, when the core of Christianity is, is in unity, we can stay there in fellowship and work together, even with some of our differences. Mm. And now the negotiation part of that is you know what are the disputable matters and what are not cuz some people would disagree on that but we have to work through those things we have to not give up on one another so theologically and influence wise and evangelism wise when it comes to world missions of any sort when we work together when we reach a community or a region or a state or a nation together uh, we are combining the the will of God and the work of God and the power of God in an amazing way. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the virtue of unity.
1: So so let me ask you this because for, for a lot of listeners when when the word unity is spoken it's almost like there's a there, there, there's there's a misconception in the minds of a lot of people when when the word unity is spoken a lot of times people start to think uh oh ecumenicalism just receive exactly. accept everybody as they are um there there's no f- just forget the differences let's all love one another forget Kumbaya. Uh, yeah so yeah. so so for that in the minds of of b- being kind of etched in the minds of people what do you say in regard to that is in regard to how does unity equate with this false concept that is that kind of is there
2: well we have to be very very diligent as people who follow Jesus to know that the command is to love one another. It is said by church tradition that even when the beloved apostle John, in his latest years of life, you know, after he has been, uh, you know, received from exile and he's still among the brethren, that they would bring him before the body, and the, even up into the last part of his life, the last thing he could say publicly to any audience would be, "Love one another." The mandate of the Christian church and the gospel message is to love in the name of Jesus and to, and to share the love of Jesus Christ. I think we have to be very, very careful that we don't let our passion for truth be a driving wedge against that very unity by which Jesus, Paul, and David the psalmist tell us is so important. Yes, we do have differences, but if we immediately think of unity as bad or as a watering down or a compromising or an ecumenical kind of approach, there there might be some reason or some some uh, responsibility to kind of evaluate that and ask themselves, uh, as a believer, am I being fair to the, to the broader unity that God's people should have? Uh, I, I can give you a great example. You know, an American uh, who lives in Utah versus an American who lives in Texas or Philadelphia or wherever, you know, you might run into each other here, there, anywhere, and you wouldn't even notice each other. But I'm telling you, if you go to a foreign country and you're in a— Maybe a remote community, and you run into an american you 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 might be a liberal Democrat and a conservative republican, you might be a, from one party or one thing or one, but you come together and you go, "Oh, a fellow American, how are you i mean it's amazing we 're here together, and like all our differences fade away because we have one thing in common, which is our American citizenship because we 're in a remote part of the world and I think that's amazing because that experience has happened to me multiple times where i 've been in a remote Eastern European city, and I see an American, and like we're best friends, mm. and we don't know anything about each other. So as members of the body of Christ who love Jesus, shouldn't that, that priority be given all the room it possibly can be? We don't want to draw a circle and make it as tight as possible because only people that look like us, think like us, act like us, behave like us are true Christians. Mm. Yes, there is a line. There is a circle, and it is the Orthodox Christian gospel. We, meet, we need to maintain that. That's where Jude says... Contend earnestly for the saints, for the faith that was once delivered to all the saints. So we're going to contend for truth and for that core. But my goodness, we need to be careful that we don't make our particular issues in every aspect of theology the definitive statement, because uh, maybe there's a little pride there.
1: Mm-hmm. You know. So, so if I'm hearing you right, then Greg, what you're saying is is that when it comes to the body of Christ meaning okay people that profess the name of Christ that there is a circle of theology that that in, that lets you into that and that 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 circle then is sometimes narrowed by people on secondary matters and and allowing that type of division to come into the church right and so yes. i guess then my my next question the most obvious question would be is you know Jesus's and we can I'll ask you the question and we can talk about this on the other side of the break, but Jesus's command for all believers was to go out into the world and preach the gospel, right? When Paul says, "Come out from the world and and touch not the unclean thing," I think there's a mentality in Christianity sometimes that that rejects and not not in word but in principle rejects the the. Um, the Great Commission, to go out to where the sinners are, into the world, and and kind of hold to this, the world's evil and wicked, I need to kind of pull within, and that includes people that believe different than us. Now you've had mm-hmm. a lot of experience mm-hmm. over the years in engaging a culture that that um, here in Utah that, that that is not an evangelical cult- culture, that is a Mormon culture, and because you've engaged them and you've brought people to the table to talk. Um, there are those that, that sometimes look at that and say, whoa, unity at what expense, right? And so so there's a unity that you talked about on the front end of this program that says, look, um, unity uh, around Christ is essential. Here's what it looks like. But, but maybe after this break, we can talk about when is unity not okay and, and, and how far do we go with that and what does that look like? You've been listening to Shouts of Grace. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Shouts of Grace with Pastor Steve, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill, you can visit our website at rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's conversation.
1: Welcome back to the program. Uh, This is Shouts of Grace Radio here on Key Radio radio and we are excited to have a good friend of mine uh, in studio today Greg Johnson and Greg uh, before the before the intermission we were kind of talking about this idea of, of when unity is good and how it's commanded but then there comes a point where where maybe unity at any expense isn't that good and so you know we kind of talked about this idea of you've kind of pressed into this into this time in your life where you've brought a lot of people that don't believe the same thing theologically to the table and frankly in those conversations the the difference weren't minor. The differences were, were salvific. They, they were pretty major. And, and I know you've received a lot of criticism because this idea that, well, we're compromised and we're the sake of unity at any cost. So, so talk about what that is and when unity isn't necessarily honorable to God.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, society has different values. Uh, you know, a, a preeminent value today in our world is the value of tolerance. We got to tolerate this. We got to tolerate that, and that shows you to be a mature person and a and a, a well balanced person. Uh, Doctor Stan Gady of uh, formerly of Westmont College, the president there, wrote a nice little book one time called "When Tolerance Is No Virtue," and I think that could apply to unity as well. The call to unity does not mean all things are believable and embraced. Um, but but again, that's where the debate emerges: is that where do we draw that circle around what is? biblical Christianity. We've been fighting this battle since the days of Jesus. Um, schools of thought, camps, uh, theological traditions, you know, today we have how many Protestant churches, how many, you know, Christian traditions that we would uh, engage, in, and certain groups really don't appreciate each other, uh, maybe even don't even believe that they're truly Christian because of what they believe. And how do we define that? Um you know, uh, are are do we take into consideration social issues like issues like abortion and gay marriage and things of that nature? How, do those define what a true Christian is, or can you can there be disagreement on that? Are, what are the theological core issues that we must believe in that would define us as Christianity? The golden kind of the standard uh, uh, doctrinal statement that it came out of the National Association of Evangelicals, you know, numbers of years ago, is about a six point doctrinal statement. It is largely embraced, not exclusively, but largely embraced by a lot of evangelical churches. That there are these five, six, seven, depending upon what list you might use or how you might work it, that we must believe in the centrality of Jesus Christ. Give,
1: give us just a, a
2: snapshot of what yeah. that might be. Yeah. Well, I yeah, you can you can just go to the nae.net uh, okay. uh, website and and get that, or a lot of church local churches, and we could we certainly can refer to that. Um, but you know, the nature of God. Three and one, the Trinity—a strong affirmation of the nature of God as revealed in Scripture to us through the doctrine of uh, the Trinity. Uh, a strong commitment to the centrality of Christ as the only means of salvation, and that it is by Christ and through Christ and in Christ that we can be saved. That the Holy Spirit um, is fills the believer and empowers and, and gifts and comforts and encourages. That salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. That every human being is a sinner and broken through that sin. And is not deserving of heaven without, you know, the the cross of Christ. Um, and and so those those and the the, the sacred nature of holy scripture, you the know, resurrection and of the Jesus resurrection Christ, of Jesus right. Christ, the virgin birth. So these these topical doctrinal kinds of focuses, um, nuanced maybe around the edges here or there, but there is a central teaching, and I do think that's where. Paul is speaking, you know, that we do contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered. And he warns in the pastoral epistles, Timothy and Thessalonians and, and Titus, that the, the day will come when the, the church will not endure sound teaching and sound doctrine. And we must refute, refute that. We must teach on that. We must correct that. Um. So so the, that negotiation is an ongoing process for the church of Jesus Christ throughout the ages. We are going to constantly negotiate that. You know, some in the Reformed tradition— uh, versus those in the free will tradition or the you know uh, whether we have free will or whether there's an election you know god's election the, that's a great debate in the church um the, the there's some aspects of the church that divide over the gifts and and whether or not right those are available today or whether they're restricted to the new testament time period
1: but but, so, but these aren't essential issues that's what right? i'm saying that okay
2: some people would say they are and right. they would say that if you're if you're a Pentecostal, you shouldn't be engaged with people who are not Pentecostal or who don't right. speak in tongues. I would say that's a that's a peripheral issue that is not central to faith in Jesus Christ, because there is great dispute there and, and, and honest division in that area. So maybe we don't go to the same churches, but we're going to treat each other right. like brothers and sisters in Christ.
1: So, so unity around those essentials then is, is something that, that we want, we want to promote. So when yes. does unity not become honorable to God?
2: Well, and I and I do I mean again, this is this is the conversation we're having right now, but I do think when those core doctrinal teachings are violated, when when Paul says, for example, in 1 Corinthians 15 that if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen we are men to be most pitied our faith is in vain so the the christian church has always maintained that the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ defeating death and sin is a mandatory must be believed in teaching or doctrine if you hmm. don't believe in the physical literal resurrection of Jesus Christ i think that's a disqualifying hmm. theological error if okay. you it, you know if you do not believe that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, I think, again, central doctrinal teaching there. Um, again, negotiating election versus free will, right. we can have those conversations. But it is by Christ and through Christ. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by, by me, John right. 14, 6. And, and the writer of, of Acts tells us the same in, in Acts four twelve that there's no other name given under heaven or earth. The nature of humanity being sinful, you know, right. the nature of God being three in one. Again, some people would even negotiate over the Trinity. I'm not one of those. I I think the Trinity is a core doctrinal teaching. If somebody were to reject the Trinity, uh, I'd I'd have a conversation with them. So let's have that conversation. So
1: so then here's the next question I have for you then on this, because uh, I hear everything you're saying. Then the question is, if we're supposed to go out into the world, right, and win them to the gospel of Jesus Christ— um, as we share that gospel, there, there's obviously got to be an understanding that not everybody's going to be theologically sound, right? Exactly. And, and so our job is to teach and make disciples of them. And right. so in the process of doing that, um, it, you know, I, I, I think... Well, let's go back to something you had said, you'd said earlier before we started the program is uh, several years ago when we were having an interaction at, at BYU, Bob Millett asked me a question in one of the interactions. He said, Steve, he goes, when is, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Bob, it was a student. He said, when... When um, or how much heresy can I believe in? It was it was an LDS student. How much heresy can I believe in and still be considered by you to be a Christian? And that is a phenomenal question. It's a great question B- because because it leaves you in a place to say, okay, look, um, when we engage the world, does that engagement mean that we're compromising as we're talking things out and and we're trying to introduce them to truth? And so be it. Um, you know. People get edgy about that, Greg, yeah, because yeah. it's like, you know, uh, so so maybe, you know, what we can do is in in the next three, four minutes, uh, maybe you can address our responsibility to engage the tax collector, the sinner in their own house, yeah. be comfortable and yeah. recline and not at the same time be compromising to the truth. Right.
2: Uh, again, this is just a great topic because again, it challenges at the core, you know, Jesus deals firmly with Nicodemus in John chapter four, speaking to him as a, as a scribe of the law, you know, as a, as a Pharisee and he, and he rebukes him. You you don't understand what I'm talking about when it comes to being born again. I mean, are you, are you dumb? You know, you, you're supposed to be a teacher and you don't understand. And yet an, 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 uh, the woman in the well in the same chapter you know he he's gracious to her here she is a harlot here she is a ma- a woman with five husbands and, and now living with another man you know being a woman in that culture and, and he's very gracious to her so the reality is is that we as christians understand that when somebody is not in christ we're to love them to share the good news of jesus with them and to invite them to receive christ and to walk with christ and we know that they don't immediately become perfected saints, you know. They're brand new. They're still struggling with their flesh. They're still understanding. They're just a baby, and like any baby, you you got to ha- care for that baby and train them up and grow them. And so we're very patient with them with with their failures and their misunderstandings and even their cr- incorrect beliefs or or maybe some of their you know I, I I knew a man that held onto a pornographic magazine collection for decades as a believer. Thinking it was okay to keep that because it was kind of a, a a collection that he had acquired for many years, and finally, when he kind of came to this point of his life where he had to kind of evaluate his morality, you know, he he felt that he could have this for a while. Came to him, he said, "My goodness, I, I'm I'm holding on to sin. I've got to get rid of this junk, hmm. and I can't just throw it in the trash can because someone's going to find it." He had to go through and destroy every one of those magazines. That was an amazing thing, but it, it, it did not come immediately. So our faith requires a process of growing. It's called sanctification. We're justified in the moment, but mm. we're sanctified over 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 a lifetime, growing more and more like Christ, 1 Corinthians 5.17, the new creature in Christ. So we mm. do that behaviorally and theologically. And so we can't be impatient with one another. And, and many times we're very loving to the to the new Christian because we're so excited about their decision for Christ. But we also have to be loving to... Uh, to our brothers and sisters of Christ who come from different traditions. Maybe they're, they come from a different culture. Maybe they come from a different part of the world. And we have to engage on these theological levels and these behavioral levels. You know, in today's culture, that's the LGBTQ issues right here in America. There are more and more Christians who are saying, who, who am I to say that this behavior is wrong? And so those of us who hold to a traditional biblical view of, of marriage and sexuality are sometimes look as, as hateful and unkind and judgmental. And yet we feel like we want to maintain biblical morals and standards. So, hey, these things can be shifting sands, but it it was absolutely required of us to preserve the unity of the body of Christ so that we can stay uh, effective for Christ in reaching this world. And I think the more that we are one in him, the more we are attractive to a a watching world who doesn't see us eating our own, but loving one another in spite of our challenges. Again, we're not going to compromise but we're not going to also be judgmental and proud about the importance of unity.
1: Amen, amen. Hey, Greg, we're out of time for this uh, edition. Man, I want to do part two of this because I think there's I think there's more to talk about here, but um, let's 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 kind of dive into that at a different time. So hey, you've been listening to Shouts of Grace Radio. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, Practical Conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you have been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.